Whether you're starting out, settling into, or scaling up your freelance business, navigating the ever-changing marketplace can be challenging. That's why the Freelance Heroes portal is the best place for you. On top of the essential practical support and resources available, the Freelance Heroes community provides moral support too, to help you go it alone without feeling alone. We like to think of the community as virtual business sidekicks, always there when you need them. For greater presence and support to help your freelance business grow, join Freelance Heroes. And right now, you can also try out our gold membership for one month for free. Sign up today at freelance-heroes.com. Hello and welcome to the Freelance Heroes podcast. Ed Goodman here. I'm outside today. Uh, so you'll hear my voice surrounded by the ripples of the Sailing Lake in front of me and cars and lorries that pass behind me. Now recently we've been talking to freelancers who are a mere weeks or just a few months into their freelancing journey. But this week we're talking to the effervescent Io Abbas who started her freelancing journey just over a year ago before the pandemic hit. And then, of course, it's all she's known since then is a pandemic-riddled freelance career. But has it set her back? Absolutely not. What you're about to hear is Io's journey, but also what's how, more to the point, she dusts herself down and goes, right, this is what it is, this is what I need to do to continue on my journey of starting and growing my freelancing business. It's a a wonderful listen uh, to Io's story, so I'm sure you'll enjoy it. I'm delighted that Io Abbas is with me. Hello, it's good to finally see you. Hello, Ed. How are you today on this cold May day? <laughs> I know. I did the school run. I saw this bright yellow thing in the sky. I'm not entirely sure what it was, but I'll keep an eye on it. Hopefully it'll be here. It felt nice being underneath it. Yeah, I know, but it's just the fact that it's the end of May and I put my heating on yesterday and I was just absolutely that's, that's not... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this is it, this is it, this is like, this is not right. So, um, yeah. Do you know why, though? I have a theory about this. It's because we're going to bypass spring, go straight into summer and then have a long, hot summer. What do you reckon? Uh, no, you're right, you're betting... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not a betting person. Um, I was going to say, I'm just kind of like, yeah, it's just going to suck, let's be honest. <laughs> so, yeah, on that happy note. What a year it's been for you, eh? Oh, it's been mad. It's been absolutely crazy. I mean, I kind of started off on the kind of freelance journey in February last year. I think I uh, incorporated and stuff. And then I obviously I wrote this plan. You know, I've got I'm a single mum, so I've got a six year old who's now six year old and now six year old son. And, um, yeah, so really, I hadn't been out networking and doing all of that stuff for like six years, really. So I'd been really, you know, I'm a mum, I was working, but you know, it was like in house. Um, so I was like, right, when I start my business, I have to get out and meet people and do stuff. And then all of a sudden, like, so I wrote this plan. And I thought, yeah, 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 kick off in February. Then obviously, you had everything go off in March um, in terms of lockdown and all the craziness. So for me, it was like, oh, what do I do now? So, you know, that was my time to kind of reconnect and, and, and restart. So I kind of had to rip up that plan and then go online a lot, really, which is kind of what I've been doing and networking. So, yeah, right, and what, to kind what, of. 
what a brilliant intro into what what people are going to get out of this. I think there's a, a wonderful synopsis of your your last year, but let's dig into it a bit more deeply. But before we do, can you just kind of in, for those of you who don't listen, which you know you're 19 podcasts in yourself, you're very vocal <laughs> on social media. I'm sure there isn't anybody, but for the odd person that is, can you um, just introduce yourself for us? Wow, who I am. That's such a good question. Uh, so my name's Iowa Bass. I am, I call myself a built environment marketing consultant. So I specialize in marketing people who deal with like who are architects, engineers and contractors, mainly in the kind of B2B space, to be honest with you. Um, the reason I do that, I guess, is because I've worked for many of the kind of major engineering firms and architectural firms, pro- uh, project management firms in the world, really globally, um, delivering kind of major, major programs like the redevelopment of Birmingham New Street Station you know stuff like that big stuff delivery partners you know project management on the olympic games and things like that in london 2012 so that's the kind of stuff i've done but now i'm kind of want to work with smaller companies and smes who are trying to do something different and kind of break the mold because i love doing campaigns and i always think marketing is much more about you know having a good idea sharing that message saying it again and again and again um so i kind of want to kind of work with more smaller companies doing that who are kind of looking to disrupt and stuff because hey that's way more fun um so that's kind of what I've been doing so yeah that's what I've been doing for the past year really is trying to find those companies and starting to work with them and support them as well as raising my profile and getting out and about as well or not out and about but you know online out and about are you still (laughs) are you still looking to work within the kind of construction and engineering industry though even though they're smaller businesses or or are you kind of casting your wings spreading your wings Uh, I forget what the terminology is now who knows? <laughs> um, I yeah, I am. I mean, that's that's really my sweet spot. I know, you know, if you want someone who talks about concrete and knows how you can communicate, you know, putting tons of concrete onto a roof or whatever, I'm kind of probably the woman for that. So yeah, it's that's kind of my niche area. So I think it's that I love doing that, um, and I love that industry. So it makes sense that I can specialise in that, and, and that's what I serve to people. So as a marketer yourself, and this is a conversation that frequently comes up within the community, how important is it to have a niche? Personally, I think if you're a small business and you want to make impact, it's probably the fastest way to do it. It's the because really, I mean, because I kind of say this is what I do. People start to understand and start to pick up on that message because I say it regularly. And I think that helps me because that means that in groups such as Freelance Heroes and some other groups, I actually have people who see a post and go, oh, I think you'd be great for that. And if I was saying I was helping every single person doing anything, they wouldn't be able to do that. But that's the reason they can pinpoint what I do. And I kind of think that works in terms of clients, you know, the lurkers on social media, all of that stuff. You have to keep saying, this is what I do. I I work with built environment people. I understand this industry. I speak their language. And it is a technical language. So I think niching is a good thing because, I mean, how many clients do I really need to kind of service my business, which is a business of one? You know, I don't need a huge amount. Okay. Brilliant. So let's go back to that. Thank you for that, by the way. Uh, I, I mean, I, it's it's always good to, to pick on not just uh, your story, but your skills as well. But I want to go back to your story. You said yourself yeah. you incorporated in March of last year. So tell us why. And obviously, <laughs> when you started or when you thought about this, the pandemic wasn't even being talked about in great detail, I think. Yeah. So let's let's talk about why you decided to go self-employed and what were you doing um, before you... Before you uh, 
so actually I've been thinking about it for years um but I guess I never actually had the push to do it and then I actually in 2019 I was working for an edtech company mm-hmm. and I got made redundant um at the end of November so then I kind of had Christmas off and then I was starting to look for jobs and I guess when you hit a senior level role finding that new job that actually fits the things that you really want to do is actually quite hard so I kind of thought actually in January, that's when I started thinking, actually, why don't I just get out and do what I want to do? And that's kind of where it was. That, that That's literally it. And, and, and then here we are. So you started yeah. the actual journey when? I started the journey, I guess, proper. I, I think I signed up for an Enterprise Nation startup day in January. And they had an event in a, in the Strand. Um, I, mean, I can't remember which, which uni it is. Oh, King's, King's Uni. And, I, and that was probably, that was the marker. That's when I was like, I'm doing this. And I sort of spent a Saturday and we went to one of those kind of days. Yeah, it was. And then after that, I got really geeky. And then I kind of just went online to learn. So I, I just started watching webinars and I get quite kind of geeky like that. So, you know, watching webinars on how to set up. Am I limited? Do I want to be sole trade? You know, all of that stuff. I just started like absorbing, buying business books, you know, all of that because I, get geek out um and then that's why I was learning right what do I need to do right what things do I need to look at what bank account am I going to do so all of those kind of how to set up and and how to do stuff that's 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 what my process was I think once I made the decision which is always a big thing once I'd made that decision then you've just got to go for it right I mean, I feel under pressure, by the way, talking to an experienced, free, uh, experienced podcaster anyway. And we'll come to the podcast in a bit. But 56 <laughs> episodes, you think I'd get used to not doing hand gestures to an audio audience, uh, which is not very good. So I was flexing my muscles there, realising no one can hear this. Um, well, anyway. why, why were, <laughs> I didn't even notice. Why were you flexing your muscles? Because you were talking about how you were ready to go. You were getting your knowledge in, getting your geek on. You were talking about it with enthusiasm. So I was flexing my muscles to kind of give a a definition of how determined you were. It was. I love that. It's like, I don't flex my muscles when I interview people. (laughs) I could. (laughs) Neither do I. This wasn't, I wasn't just suddenly having a stretch. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, We'll move on. No one will notice. Um, So. Loads of decisions to make as you go into starting, as you've highlighted, you just kind of, you know, easily just rushed off a bunch of them. How did you decide which of those decisions were going to be right for you? How did you decide, I don't know, which business books to buy? How did you decide which bank account to open and and all the other areas too? Um, do you know what? I think it's, I, I will listen to talks. I will look, I'll create a shortlist and then I will ask myself the questions that I need to get a response to you know what are the fees for a bank account what's their service you know how how do people review it do people I know use it so I literally um that's that's what I do and then I will filter in that way um and I guess it's a process I apply to the marketing I do but also it's a process I apply to life so I mean that's generally how I make decisions so I am quite kind of right okay what works what doesn't work and you know and analyze it in that way and I think it was just finding the areas that I needed to answer questions so it's like you know will I be sole trader will I be a limited company what's the implications of that what insurance do I need what sort of things do I need now and also understanding what things I needed at the start and what stuff I could do later because money I didn't have lots of money who does at the start so I think it's also that kind of decision as well of what do I need now just to get going and then actually what do I need later on so like for example I've only literally got a logo and that's a year in but I had well I'm a marketeer I didn't have a logo I wrote a post about that there's a reason (laughs) <laughs> no, which, which 
Which is because I have to ask. I mean, naturally, we'll, put the link, we'll put the link in the of the of the blog into the show notes. But give us the salient kind of right. So why for, for one of the reasons I I've not had the logo for a year was actually because I actually I mean to be honest I wanted to learn about my business first and also when I talk about branding I I don't think branding is just about your logo it's about your business what you do how you want to come across all of those types of things your personality your language all of that kind of wider discussions and I kind of and actually, in your first year of business, you're kind of learning that and you learn what the market wants from you. So some of the stuff where I thought I'd be doing when I started out, I'm not, you know, and other people are actually coming to me for different things. So I think that whole learning process has really helped me. And it just means now when I'm kind of actually spending money on my actual website and my branding, it's much more on point and it's much more in tune of where I need to go and what the market needs from me. So for me, it's kind of like I had colours. I kind of built my own Squarespace site anyway. And then now I've kind of refined it and really kind of got it onto a brand now and got, you know, one of my friends who's designers on my logo and stuff like that. So I think, you know, kind of thinking actually really what do I need to invest in now as well? Because, time, you know, you're not going to have a lot of money in February. And let's be honest, last year, you know, February 2020 and onwards and when, you know, when lockdown kicked in, it was quiet for at least three months, you know. So, well, I mean, we'll, we'll come on to the pandemic bit in a bit, but there's an interesting point that you raised then about the logo and understanding your business, first of all, because I don't know, I, I can only speak for myself, of course, but you're one of those people who we've never spoken. But if anyone had mentioned to me, do you know Iowa Bass? I'd be like, absolutely. I know of her because I come across you, your personality on social media. I couldn't tell you what your logo looks like now, but I yeah. can certainly tell you where your personality fits and how that, you know, from a business perspective. And obviously I listened to some of the episodes of the podcast too, which will also come on to. So, you know, it's, it's a fascinating thing that then kind of addresses, well, when you showcase your personality as much as you have in these last 14, 15 months, how important, is it to have a logo as well and did that did that is that something that went into your mind as well you know yeah yeah I mean, over the last year absolutely i mean it's kind of i guess it's that fundamental fundamental question of what actually are you selling right and if you're a freelancer in many ways you're selling as well as your capabilities and all of that stuff but you're also selling you right and mm. that whole personal brand and all of that is really really interesting and i think actually that's kind of more key is that I'll be doing the work and this is me and this is what I'm like and what I'm like to work with. And, you know, my clients come to me because actually, you know, they have interesting marketing conversations and I'm not going to sit there and throw a book at you. I'll sound normal. And that's important. And I think that's kind of what I want to get across in terms of what I portray externally as well is actually, this is how I write. I try and write how I speak, you know, and finding the language and tone of voice has, you know, it's taken a while, but like, you know, being able to encapsulate that I think is actually that was actually probably more important than actually doing the logo because no, that makes sense makes absolute sense you know and and really I, but, but, yeah and I, I I kind of think as well I mean I kind of sit there sometimes when I was like you've got to have a brand you've got to have a logo and this and that I'm always like yeah you can a bit but you know don't worry about you know because actually you can get away with it with words and how you be how you treat people and what you do and I, I think that's that's the more exciting part and interesting part of branding to me in a way. When I look at some of the key people that I've spoken to who are in a company of one on the podcast and through social media, the likes of you, Dave Harlan, Sophie Cross, yeah. who we've had on the podcast, I can't picture their logos, but I know who they are in an yeah. instant. And, 
And Dave Harlan definitely has got a certain voice, hasn't he? <laughs> he like, has. Oh my God, did you just say that? But um, yeah, and, and that's it. And, you know, I, and yeah, it's just, you know, when you think about the people in the community that we all recognise, you're recognising the people first, not the actual business or brand that they're representing or what they're doing. Uh, so, I think that's going to be really insightful for many who are maybe grappling with that kind of dilemma themselves, certainly if they're in the process of starting up, I would say. So you're, we're now into March last year. You're incorporated. You, your first client, how did you win it? And how did that come about? And, uh, and, and you know, how quick was the process? Um, well, I mean, I kind of set up, but then actually, I mean, what was weird was so, so I took the decision to actually set up as, a, uh, you know, working for myself, but also I actually won a, a part time kind of three days a week role as well, um, which which actually sustained me, if I'm honest, working for an architectural firm in house. So I had that as well as and that came up and they said, right, actually, we don't want to use a freelancer. We want you to work in house kind of thing. So I was like, actually, that's fine. But that actually sustained me during lockdown because, you know, I was lucky that I had that and that was regular income because actually to get with my first clients took time. I'm trying to think who were my first. Actually, I actually started working in January for a, a coding club who were building a platform. So I started working with them. Um, but yeah, it took a while to win new clients, to be honest with you. So that's why I was focusing on my actual, you know, getting my presence online because I hadn't been out and about for, you know, I was a single mom, you know, I, I, I wasn't networking face to face because I just didn't have the time. So, you know, and actually probably the first three to six months, it was all about my profile and raising it online and getting known and connecting with people and doing all of that kind of stuff. And then so the how did you do that? Coming. Um, basically by blogging I love blogging so I like writing so I was posting on LinkedIn connecting with people getting more regular on there social media um, taking things offline and having virtual coffees with people um, all of those types of things to kind of just start to build relationships and sort of say hi I'm here you know and you know looking at speaker ops that I could do so just just trying to do that really because it was like you know the stuff I had planned to do face to face couldn't happen. So actually, how do I do that in an online setting? I think was was, was what was going through my mind, and and just keeping that up. And then that started to build traction. And then I would start to get inbound. Hi, I've seen what you're doing. I want to talk to you about how you might be able to work with my company. And I started getting those types of emails through LinkedIn. So you started your journey. You're buoyed. You're excited. You know the the future is your. The world is your oyster. I've really got to write these down. Um, <laughs> the future is ahead of you there. And, and, and it sounds like you were approaching it with uh, a fair sense of vigour. But, of course, then the pandemic hits. What impact did that have on how you kind of start wanted to, wanted to start your business, your vision for the business, you know, you as a business, but also you as a person too? Um, I guess from a person, personal perspective, I'm, you know, I mean, we obviously everyone's got their personal lives. For me, it was very much, you know, you know, I mean, it's scary when you actually think about March 2020, you know, when Boris was doing his press conference and everyone was there going, oh, there's always queues at Sainsbury's. How are you going to get food? And, and it was, you know, and actually, I think that's one thing we can't forget is that lockdown one was scary and nobody knew what was really going on. Um, so I had that as well. So actually, I moved out of my house um and moved in into in an airbnb above some of my friends um just that we wouldn't be alone um because i was like actually how am i going to buy food with a six-year-old how am i going to queue up for hours that's not going to work you know what i mean he's off school all this kind of stuff so we actually 
moved out of our house for six months um, and we moved down the road. So we were quite lucky to be able to do that, but it meant that we had support and we weren't alone. And that was quite important. And then that also meant that I could also have two and a half days where I didn't have to homeschool and I could look after my son. So, you know, and I could actually work on the business as well. So, you know, having that kind of support and having to put that in place, I guess that's the priority. And then figuring out what to do work and business wise after that and what you could fit in. And that's kind of how it worked. So networking Um, was. Sorry. Yeah. And then, yeah, and like you said, networking was the kind of key way for me was that kind of raising visibility, you know, actually understanding, you know, what networks I wanted to tap into, who I want to work with. So, you know, longer term, like, you know, where do I find architects and engineers, um, actually, like, you know, organisations like the Royal Institute of British Architects? How can I build relationships there and, and stuff like that? So looking at the organisations that I can kind of tap into and work with and find ways to support and all of that kind of stuff. So that's kind of what I was doing was trying to kind of raise my visibility that way. And let's be honest, a, a lot of people kind of just pulled marketing budgets in March. They stopped it. They still said, oh, you know, let's retreat. And, you know, I work in construction and a built environment and they are very conservative. And, you know, generally construction tends to be hit first whenever there's a downturn or recession. So a lot of budgets were pulled for three months, stopped working with freelancers, all of that stuff. So income wasn't going to come from there. I think it was more a case of build your visibility and be supportive and share useful information for people so that their businesses can keep going. And that's that's kind of what I was trying to do was talk about the things that they could be doing how to get online, what do you think of digital marketing, have you considered this, you know, just talking about those things that people could be doing and supporting them in that way. Isn't that ironic? I mean, because, you know, the, <laughs> in terms of um, when the, because you're absolutely right, of course, you know, and uh, and I, I'm in digital marketing from a, a training uh, perspective and budgets were pulled left, right and centre. But yeah, yep. at a time when everyone is now moving online, either embracing it, in more detail or spending even more time on it so if anything you know this was a time for businesses to understand how to use that and to be more involved did you try and kind of fight against the tide of uh, of that feeling of pulling budgets furlough marketing staff etc or or did you accept right we need to i need to do something else i kind of accepted that i needed to do something else i think it was because it was so it was happening across the piece. So what, you know, what am I going to be able to do to change that? And I think, I think it's just finding the areas where I could add something to the, to, to what's going on. And I think for me, it was, you know, LinkedIn and, you know, providing guidance and marketing advice and ideas and, and just doing that and just focus on the things I can control. Right. You can't, I can't make someone suddenly release budget. <laughs> and that's it. And, 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 and that's it. And you have to just kind of wait until good times are coming back and, that's tough but you know had a couple of clients and also that architectural firm I was working for you know wasn't making tons of money but it was enough when did you first notice the clouds were lifting assuming you have <laughs> it's so dark around here it's cold <laughs> um, no, uh, I think uh, I first kind of noticed I reckon like June I think I think it's like a three month lull and then people started to go, actually, I can't put everything on hold forever. You know, people were trying new things. And I think June was when people started to go, actually, I've got to do something, you know, when people kind of realised. <laughs> and, and then, of course, um, around that time, one of the many things you did to be supportive is start the podcast marketing in a time of crisis, as it was called then. I know the yeah. name of it changed now. Um, so what was your reason behind starting it? What did you want to, to give other people? What did you want other people to get from it? Um, do you know what? I, I love podcasts. So one of the things when I was pregnant 
um i started listening to podcasts i had no idea what to do with a baby um so so, it was like a huge learning curve for me um no that is that is honestly why i got into listening to podcasts because oh my god um so um once that kind of (laughs) happened and i love podcasts so i started off on the kind of parental ones and i moved into businessy ones and you know so i listen to podcasts all the time but um i knew i kind of wanted to do one i've been thinking about it for years and then like you know it's and then it just felt right it just felt actually I'm gonna you know when everyone was and I guess one of the things is like I've got a number of like marketing friends and the way we talk about marketing isn't you know I don't hear people having those conversations so that was one of the reasons I wanted to do the podcast was actually have conversations like I would have with my marketing friends which is you know how's this going what do you think of this what you know analyzing what you know, Dominic Cummins is saying right now, which is still just crazy. Um, you know, but that's that's what we do, you know, on WhatsApp. So that's it's those conversations. And I know, like, and obviously I wanted it to be built environment related because that's the market I know. But also I also know that there's some amazing marketing directors out there who aren't the face of their brands, but they do an amazing work. And I wanted to showcase that and actually give them a platform because some of these people who you never hear are like behind, you know, the likes of Make Architects or AECOM who've like got 200,000 employees around the world and build everything you could ever think of you know what I mean and I wanted to give a platform for these amazing people doing amazing work and that's that's kind of it and like it's great because like, it means I can write to people and go I really love your work I'm a big fan which I do often write um will you come on <laughs> like but it's great I mean how often do you get to do that I mean yesterday I was talking to like an amazing woman who who's um, a business development director of a, like a global architectural firm like a really renowned one in New York and I was like this is such a great conversation and you know we're recording next week um so it's kind of those things where you're like it gives me a chance to be a fangirl which is always good <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more because if it wasn't for the freelance heroes podcast I wouldn't be having this very conversation now and I'm thrilled that we are. So, no, I get that entirely. I get that entirely. <laughs> so, and, and then, of course, you changed the, well, you changed the name of it to marketing in a time of recovery um, yeah. uh, rather than a crisis. So, which I think is, you know, a genius thing to to do. So did the whole, you know, did you have a vision now of where you want to take it? Do you see that this is now something that is, going to be solely attributed to how we come out of this pandemic no one knows how long that's going to be or, or or do you think you've really got your teeth into this and uh, and and you're just gonna keep going being the fangirl that you want um do you know what um the recovery thing was actually something that me and my friends on the like on, on whatsapp we actually talked about before I launched it because we were like, can't be crisis all the time, can it? And we actually had the recovery conversation probably like June last year. And I guess it was just a time of when it was, it was a question of when we kind of moved the lens to towards more recovery. Uh, but to be honest, I mean, I kind of, you know, when you do with crisis comms, which is awful, which is kind of, you know, awful. I've had enough, you know, when I've done that in the house before, but you can't be in that state of panic forever. So it's that kind of thing where, actually right we're used to dealing with this now we know there's always a level of uncertainty which there is right now right you know you know we can't completely plan for everything but lots of scenario planning is coming in but that's why i kind of think the move towards recovery is so important now is that is that you or is that me no it's me sorry <laughs> i'm like what is that <laughs> i thought i'd moved my phone far enough away but clearly not no, I'm like, what is that? It's like an alien. I do, um, do you know what I'm but, talking to? I'm talking to a professional podcaster here, and I'm 56 episodes into this. I know Amazon's going to deliver something in a minute. 
never been called a professional podcaster. But, um, but like, and so I do, I do, you know, and so recovery was something that I kind of always had at some point. I would need to shift. Um, and yeah, now it just felt right. And um, I just think like, you can't do a year of crisis. And actually, as I'm talking to guests, you can see that they're, they're used to dealing with the uncertainty now and it's part of their process. So, and I kind of think the discuss, you know, the discussions now are actually we've just got to plow on and get on with this, haven't we? So for me, I think that's a good thing. But actually, the conversations we're having in the actual podcast aren't actually too dissimilar from last year. But I just changed the name. No, they're not. They're not. But I think no. it's a, I think it's an inspired name change. Um, so you're now, as we're talking, fourteen months into this. What have you learnt about um, freelancing and about yourself? the most over this last 14 months oh um what i've learned about freelancing is you never know where your jobs are going to come from um and actually it's good to be able to just connect with lots of different types of people they might not be your target audience or demographic but actually you never know where your jobs are going to come from and actually it's really nice to have that sense of community it's really it is quite lonely uh, being a freelancer. You know, you don't have that going and say, hi, you know, I every morning or whatever. And I, I, you know, and I think that's that thing. And, you know, one of the things I'm kind of thinking about going out of this is actually I'm going to get like, you know, there's a co-working space down the road that actually deals with designers and architects. And I'm probably going to get, you know, even if it's just one day a week. It's just like it gets me out of my house and my kitchen and stuff like that. So I think that kind of sense of community and being part of something, I think you kind of, you need to build that in yourself and you never know where jobs are going to come from. And actually, I think, one of the things I've got to get better at is actually that managing your time as well, um, which is, you know, balancing the personal brand stuff and doing my stuff, but also the work for my clients. So I need to get a kind of better equilibrium. So that's kind of one of the things I'm kind of learning how to do and I need to work on myself. So I think that's kind of my big tips. And you don't need to spend tons of money on your brand. <laughs> no, fair enough. Uh, but So if you're talking about, you know, the loneliness side of it and you know, yeah. going to a co-working space, even, you know, infrequently I think it's a great thing to do to help combat that but in the middle of a pandemic how have you you know kind of dealt with that side that challenge of freelancing how have you ensured that you can interact with others in a formal and informal way well I guess I've I've done things I guess I, I think one of the things is that for stuff to happen during a pandemic you've had to trigger it or someone's had to trigger it and send a message or do something. So I joined you know, some of the kind of groups like Found and Flourish and things like that for female founders, which is a nice community and they do regular events. And so you feel part of something there and it's not necessarily linked to directly what I do, but actually they're amazing, amazing people and they're inspirational people. So it's part of something again. Um, but also I've had doing like things like, you know, just saying hi to people, um, you know, doing some of the Twitter chats and stuff like that. So I've done some of that, the freelance chat that happens on a Thursday with Michelle Garrett, stuff like that. Just so you're just talking to different people and just connecting with different people because that's quite nice. And actually some of those do lead to offline conversations and virtual coffees and stuff like that. And just having some of those and just connecting with people that way. And I think making time to connect, I think that's the, that's the big thing. So you don't feel so lonely because it is, it can be really lonely. And also you get lost in your own bubble sometimes when you're like, Oh, is this right? Is that wrong? I don't know. Who said that? Um, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What's been the highlight of your last 14 months? um oh that's a that's a hard one actually do you know what I think probably the highlight has been 
I was featured in the Times a couple of weeks ago, which was really cool. <laughs> Slips um, that in. It shouldn't be that hard. Uh, I would have thought that would have been the kind of at the forefront of your mind. But okay, <laughs> go on, tell me. I like that. Well so, done. Uh, I wrote a blog uh, three years ago on LinkedIn, which was about the fall of Carillion uh, when the con- major construction company went under, and it was basically saying the construction industry model is broken, which it which it is, right? This is three years ago, um, and then I um, it went viral because I, I was it was it, I was home. I remember I wrote that blog because I was annoyed again. I was on the WhatsApp with my mates going, this is rubbish. All the reports are rubbish. So I'm going to write something. So I wrote something. It went viral. Like it had like 5,000 shares or something. And then like three years later, I got an email from a journalist on the Times a couple of months back saying, hi, I really like your blog. I saw it on Google and I'd like to feature it in this article. (laughs) So um, he did. And that came out a couple of weeks ago. So that's probably like, I mean, and I think as well, I mean, I love that example because it shows the power of blogging and content, which I love, and actually putting your views out there. So he found that three years later and it was still highly relevant. I mean, it's on the back of all the kind of ho- the horrific stuff of Grenfell. But actually, if you look at, you know, this is st- the, the construction model is broken. And a lot of what stemmed from when you see the trial is actually that's the issue. It's like fundamentally the way it operates. It doesn't make any sense to anyone with any logic. So, and it's, you know, and for me, I think, being involved in that you know he took extracts of that and used that in his piece and I you know against and, uh, and you know and there were people in there who were the construction leadership you know, council kind of CEO and all this kind of stuff and I'm like yes and I made that <laughs> so so yeah that's probably you know one of those things where you go and also it just shows the power of like thought leadership and content which is what I love doing so yeah and you and you do so well I, I should add uh, too so when you started your freelance business what vision did you have in terms of where you wanted to go um did you have ideas of wanting to become to build an agency to remain yourself had you not thought about it what what was your plan at that stage um I I've never wanted to build an agency um that's not really like managing lots of people I don't really want to do that um but I do want to do interesting work for interesting people so I think it's finding that I think I'm kind of more on that kind of fence of the company of one and then you have like other freelancers or other people that support you to do certain aspects I think that's much more of the model I'd be going after I don't want to build an agency as it were um and yeah, that's kind of what I'm aiming for um, in terms of kind of services and things. I think you know, doing strategy content and campaigns is kind of what I love doing. So doing more of that, but then also kind of looking at other things I might doing. So, you know, stuff like coaching or non-exec roles at some point. Or, so there's lots of kind of things I want to explore in the future as well. So, yeah, I want to mix it up a bit. And has that changed as you're since, you know, and now you're a year into it, you're identifying your brand in a way that allows you to create a logo. So have you therefore had has that year taught you anything about where that direction is going to go now or is it still much the same thing I think it's still much the same thing I think it's uh, uh, yeah I, I think it's still much the same thing I, I that's still in my head and that's still the model that I have that I want to follow I don't think any of that has really changed no so the question I'm going to ask now is a question that um is is one that I hope other freelancers will learn from too but given that you're now 14 months into this uh, and it's incredible the amount of positivity that you've kind of seemed to have found from what is a crisis, as you've mentioned in the podcast, and uh, what has been tough times for many. And that's wonderful to, to to see and hear. But if you could go back 14 months, what piece of advice would you give the 
freelancer who's taking her first steps? Um, do you know what? I think I guess I don't I don't look back on life in that way of regrets in a way. I kind of just think in some ways I kind of just think you've just got to get out and do it, which is kind of what I did. Um, yeah, and take chances and enjoy it. Because that's all you can do. And I kind of think there's so many worse things that happen in life and, and, you know, stuff happens that you can't control. And I just kind of think you have to just give it a go and try. Um, yeah. And that's kind of it, really. I think that's my advice. Do it. Oh, just do it. <laughs> Someone should take that. Use it as a... I know, a I know. Do you know, I used that in presentation yesterday. I have no idea where I found that one. <laughs> <laughs> um I oh, I love that, and, and I get the I get an idea that that we should have a chat again at some point, and we'll get some questions from the freelance heroes community to to kind yeah. of tap into your experiences too, and uh, both you know primarily from a marketing perspective as well, because you do it with such positivity, um, and anyone who follows you on social media uh, will be um, inspired by the words that you write, even if they're related to the construction industry, they can make it related <laughs> no, to the but industry too. Exactly. And that's the thing. It's like, yeah, my examples might be construction, but actually I, I, I try to write in a way that it's it's something that applies to all. And actually, I think um, like it's for me, it's about the business to business kind of market and selling to corporates. That's what I specialize in, really. It's not, you know, and that's, you know, I want more businesses to kind of be tapping into that. You know, it's not all just a consumer marketing world. I, I do think there's this whole B2B side that not as many people are exploring and they probably should. So I think that's another kind of thing that we have to kind of keep pushing as well. What's your ideal gig? If you could write the gig and the type of company you want to work for, uh, what would it be? Ah, you know what? I love disruptors. I love the ones who like, you know, like the small companies that want to come and like change the market, disrupt the world. Those ones, I I, I do because they're just way more fun to work on. <laughs> you want them at early? You want them at early stage, I'm guessing, then to help them. Kind yeah, of early. Set their you know, but actually not too small, but like, you know, like when they're kind of, they're starting to get funding or they're starting to do more stuff. I think those people are fun because then you can go, why don't we do this? And they go, yes. And then you just do it. <laughs> um, we'll put the link to the blog post, uh, um, it, it, your blog in the show notes, as well as awesome. how anyone can get in touch with you. But uh, this has been uh, a very positive period. Thank you very much. I've needed this today. So thank you for that. I, it's been lovely to meet you. <laughs> No worries. Thanks so much, Edge. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you again, Io. And I can highly recommend you listening to her podcast. I'll put a link in the show notes at freelance-heroes.com forward slash podcasts. Now, it's time now for me to go and iron my shirt and polish my shoes because next week I'm going to be talking to podcast and freelance royalty. Steve Folland of Being Freelance and Frankie Satora, who also both collaborate on the Doing It For The Kids podcast, are going to be talking about the importance of community, how their businesses and communities have grown over the years, why community is so important to them and their members as well. And if you've got a question that you'd like me to put to them, then do email me, podcast at freelance-heroes.com, and look forward to you joining me then. Bye for now. Bye for now.